Are you ready to free the body and free the soul? Join Dr. David, the cutting edge doc, as he guides us on today's journey. Here's Dr. David. Welcome, friends. Welcome to another edition of Freeing the Body, Freeing the Soul. Here on Freeing the Body, Freeing the Soul, we do in-depth interviews with individuals that are doing cutting-edge work in the areas of healing, spirituality, and social transformation. I'm Dr. David, the cutting-edge doc, and usually I'm doing the interviewing, but today we're going to switch the tables. I invited my dear friend Amy Schuber to interview me today. There's some things I wanted to share, and I wanted to give you a deeper taste of the work and what I'm all about. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this time with Amy Schuber and myself, Dr. David. Hi, I'm Amy Schuber, and I am so excited to be your guest host today for Freeing the Body, Freeing the Soul. I am honored to be here with Dr. David Kamnitzer. You know him as Dr. David, the cutting edge doc, and I'm so thrilled to be here and turn the tables and do some in-depth conversation and in-depth interviewing with you, Dr. David. Thank you for having me as your host. Oh, thank you, Amy. I'm really delighted that you accepted my invitation. You know, before I started my podcast, I was a guest on your podcast, Inspired Conversations, and uh, you interviewed me twice. And I just thought you were so wonderful at what you did. And I had such a good time that when I thought about who I wanted to have interview me, the next couple of times on Freeing the Body, Freeing the Soul, it was a no-brainer. So thanks for accepting the invitation. I think everybody's going to benefit from uh, your acceptance. Oh, well, thank you for that. It was so fun having you on my show. And me being a seeker, probably like your audience who's listening to you on your show, I love to have these conversations. And so I'm, I'm actually thrilled to be in another one with you. And your shows have been some of the most popular in my uh, podcast. So that's sort of an interesting fact. And uh, I think it's because people right now are really looking to dive a little deeper and, and go a little further with their own seeking and and knowledge and maybe self-help and how they can do things a little differently to, to take care of themselves. So thank you for having me. This is fun for me. And I feel really honored and grateful to be in this conversation with you because I know I get to benefit just as much as everybody listening. Well, let's dive right in. Yeah. So I'm curious about what what do you think is going on right now in the world that might be triggering so much transformation? I, I see things happening that people are, are maybe uh, spinning out. Maybe their health is going wrong or their mental, you know, they're getting stuck in their lives. And I see it on a lot of different levels. And I'm really curious what your take is on maybe what's happening in the world right now, maybe the state of consciousness and maybe opportunities and possibilities for us to do something about it. Wow, that's a huge question. <laughs> it, can be, it can be approached from so many angles. You know, it can be approached from a spiritual angle. It can be approached from 
the point of view of astronomy and physics and astrology. There's so many ways we could take it. I'll try to come at it from a couple of different viewpoints and feel free to interrupt me or take the, take the conversation wherever you like. I'm really in your hands here, but let's try to approach it maybe from those two angles first. So, so spiritually, I think what's going on is that it's just time. It's time to awaken. And so, you know, depending on the nature of the dream that somebody's been dreaming, that process of awakening, the way that that's experienced from being inside the dream. You know, if someone is locked into the dream of the ego and the dream of separation, which most people in our society are, then this process is being experienced not the way it really is, but this process is being is being experienced from the way a character in the dream would experience it. And so everybody is going to experience it differently because the nature of the of their psychology and of the of the role that they've ended up identifying with and as is going to determine the way this transformation is experienced. And that's the reason that so many people are experiencing it in so many different unique ways, even though it's really one dynamic that's going on. And so, you know, basically from a spiritual standpoint, it's basically time for human beings to either awaken to a much deeper level of the truth of life and of love and of their being, or else um, human life as we know it on planet Earth is not going to be able to continue much longer because planet Earth is in her own evolution and her own cleansing process. And so I think from a spiritual standpoint, that's the way I would say it, is that we have been exploring the limits of the egoic state of consciousness now for quite a while, and we've really reached the limits of what the egoic consciousness is able to be and do, and it's just not sufficient anymore for human well-being um, or for human thriving at all. And so we're coming up against this huge case of mistaken identity where human beings have gotten lost as their ego, and it's just untenable anymore uh, with human life as we know it on this planet. So I think that's one way to describe it. So can I, so can I stop you there and ask you a question about what sure. you just said? So when you say it's time to awaken to the truth of life and love and being, what does that actually mean? Well, it really doesn't mean anything. And anything we would say that it means is a story that we would actually be making up about it. So then we what is awakening? So is it just that we're transforming and it's about being conscious of what's happening and what actually needs to happen? Well, let me ask you this question. Have you ever been in have you ever been dreaming and you didn't know you were dreaming and the dream seemed really real? until you woke up and then you realized you were dreaming and suddenly everything that seemed so real a moment ago isn't impacting you so much because you know it's a dream? Yes. <laughs> that, 
that's awakening. Right. That's what awakening from a dream is. Realize it's like the movie The Matrix. It's like the only reason that The Matrix seemed to have so much impact on the characters in the movie was because they didn't know that it was a matrix. Hmm. When they realized it was a matrix, it wasn't a matrix anymore. It didn't have the same hypnotic spell. It didn't have the same impact on the characters once, you know, once we could look behind the curtain and we could see what was going on, that it was a matrix, that it was a projection. And this is very much, very much the way um, human consciousness is when we are identified with the egoic level of consciousness, which most people are. Everything seems so real. But when you awaken from the spell of, of egoic consciousness, uh, all the things that used to dominate your experience uh, don't dominate it so much anymore because you're awakening from the dream. It's like when you awaken from the dream, if it was a powerful dream, you still feel to some extent impacted by the dream in the beginning. But your relationship to the dream and to the characters in the dream and to the experiences that that were so real in the dream, they're instantly transformed uh, as you awaken from the dream. And and it's very much like that. It's a very uh, apt analogy uh, when you when you meet someone who has uh, fundamentally uh, dispelled the hypnotic spell of the trance of the ego. And there's an awakening. There just is that awakening. It doesn't mean anything. You know, the ego wants to make up a story about what that means, like it's better or it's worse or it has a significance. Or, but that's just more of the same uh, kind of vicious circle. Uh, awakening is simply existing uh, in reality as it is. So it doesn't. It doesn't mean anything. Life, life is its own. If it, life is its own reward, it, life and love don't require propping up by justification or stories or added significance. And once you realize that, then your whole relationship, not only to the ego in general and your limited identity that you were identified as before, transforms, but also your entire relationship to uh, the part of the mind that judges or the part of the mind that wants to make everything mean something very significant, that starts shifting uh, very dramatically uh, without without trying to force yourself to do it. It just is it just is very, very natural. So of course, my ego is going bananas as you're talking right now, and I'm so I'm wrapping myself around it. When you say that it shifts, I'm apparently am not quite gotten there yet. When it shifts and becomes easy, what is that like? Is it because you've you're not when you talk about mistaken identity and that ego, is it the separateness and we become the oneness and so there is just love and no judgment? Is that what it turns into? What is the it in that <laughs> what is the it and you maybe take a deep breath or two. What is the it in that sentence? 
I guess it's life or situations. I'm not sure. Yeah, see, life doesn't turn into anything. Life is just life. It's it, it's like, um, how can I describe it? Um, the awakening is a deconstruction. It's stopping something that you didn't know you were doing. Or it's letting go of a way of being that you've gotten hypnotized into that you forgot you were hypnotized into. So the ego would think that it would have to make awakening happen. Right. But but I'm sure as you found out, you can't make it happen. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so when, when you're when you're someone like me who is I'm all for transformation and, and learning and doing the work and being in practice, but I find myself coming up against this, you know, and I'm sure it will be evident in this interview conversation because I'm going to ask those like how questions and, and I'm going to say things that you're going to probably question because I'm there. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. I mean, you, you, you kind of put your hand in the cookie jar right at the very beginning of the interview. <laughs> oh, <laughs> When you identified yourself as a seeker, right? You know that's a limited identity. I am a seeker. You know, because what does that imply? Well, that I'm incomplete or separate. Uh, that I'm still looking for the answers. Right, and you know you're you're very attached to that identity because you've had some of your most wonderful experiences when you were seeking mm -hmm. um, and what you're finding out is that that limited identity called being a seeker it's gotten you to a certain point in your level of realization but now the very identity that got you this far is becoming a limitation yeah you just made me realize that. Well, I didn't make you realize it. <laughs> you uncovered it for me? <laughs> no, no, I'm just here talking. <laughs> See, you did it again. Right. Ah. See, you did it again. It's I'm here talking, and then you had an insight. But I didn't make you have that insight. You see, that's part of the confusion that's part of the hypnotic trance that you've been living inside so now i'm not sure how to ask this question but when we're in that hypnotic trance what transforms you out of the trance or out of the letting go of your way of being a seeker in my case well you tell me what just happened for you well, I had an insight based on what you were talking about, uh, but now what, I... What did you see? I, I think, well, I saw the limitation. Well, first you saw that it was true in your experience that you have been being that you are a seeker, mm -hmm. correct? Yeah, absolutely. So that's the first step in awakening. The awareness. Is the awareness. There's no, you can't even get on the playing field. 
you know, one of my favorite sayings that I, I must have said it a thousand times to my students if I've said it once, is that awareness is the first step towards mastery. Mm, that's so good. But it's only the first step. Yeah. And there's no guarantee that just because you become aware of something that it will lead to mastery. But without awareness, there's no possibility of leading to mastery. Because at any point in the process, the ego can co-opt the process. The ego can co-opt anything, including your spirituality, at any point in the process. So what does that look like when it's doing that with your spirituality? Well, like, for example, let's say you become aware of something. Like, let's say you become aware of the fact that you have a character tendency of being very impatient. Let's say. Mm -hmm. Now, let's say that person, let's say John has become aware that he has this tendency to be impatient towards impatience. So now we could say that he's at step one of the mastery process or of the transformational process. But now John has a lot of choices, right? Mm -hmm. Now that he's aware that he has this pattern of impatience, he now has several choices at that point. Even if he doesn't recognize them as choices, he actually does have several choices. Now, do you want me to tell you or do you want to tell me some of the choices that John has at that point? Well, I can take a stab at it. <laughs> that he has a choice to remain in that place as identifying with that character or that quality. But let's even before we get to the point where he actually can exercise that choice freely, oh. what are some spaces that like, how could, how could the ego co-opt that awareness? I'm not sure. I think I'm going to defer to you. Okay. Well, you play you 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 be the part that's becoming aware and then I'll play the ego that's going to co-opt this process. So you're going to say, "Oh my goodness, I've just become aware that most of my life I've had a tendency to be really impatient." And then I'll play how the ego could co-opt that. Okay. So I'm really aware that I've been playing the role of impatience most of my life or all of my life. Yeah, and you know, you're probably just going to keep doing it forever. Because that's just the way you are. Oh, so my impatience is never going to go away. Okay, so say it again. I'll keep giving you different ways the ego could co-opt this process. Okay, so I realize I have an awareness I've been impatient all my life, and it's my limitation. Oh, my God, I'm such a terrible person. Oh, okay, I see it. Just keeps you in a judgment place. Is that right? Well, yeah, let's do one more. Okay. So I'm aware of this impatience that's been limiting my life and it's who I am. Oh my God. I better become really patient right now. <laughs> yeah. So I could go on and on and on and make up all sorts of stories or try to justify this or try to cover it up or try to move away from it or just indulge it because it's just my lot in life. It's going to happen anyway. And I could just go on and on and on and on about all the ways that the ego could co-opt the potentially transformative process here and just 
immediately sock you right back into the hypnotic trance. Mm -hmm. Does this sound familiar? Oh, very, very familiar. I play, my ego plays this role a lot of my days, for sure. And so a spiritual teacher will facilitate you in discovering where you get stuck and how you get stuck and provide you with some new possibilities for being. And that's what that's what we're doing. Right. So this we're talking about basically the work that you do with people when you take people into those new possibilities, correct? Well, I would say we were doing more than talking about it. I would say we were actually giving the listeners a little bit of a taste of it. Right. Right. So then what would be some of the options to have that transformation? You mean, you mean what would be a skillful move from that point? Yes. Okay. Well, it would be something that the ego would never think of. So that's my clue to you, Amy. <laughs> it, it would be something the ego would never think of. Okay. What do you, what do you think might be like from, from the point of view of love, what might be the next step after you become aware of something like that? I mean, to, from the point of view of love, to just be one with it, embrace it, no judgment around it. Okay, so what would be a word that we use in everyday English that kind of covers that? I'm not sure. <laughs> How about acceptance? Oh, acceptance. Absolutely. So what I teach my students is that it's always to your advantage when you become aware of something to accept two things. Number one, to accept what it is that you've become aware of. So in this case, it would be you or John accepting the fact that they've become aware that they have this tendency to be impatient. And then... So they're accepting that awareness, that, that they're not fighting that awareness. And then the second acceptance is accepting your sense of yourself in the moment of being aware of this new awareness. Hmm. Accepting the sense of yourself, of your new awareness? In the moment of your new awareness. So for example, it's one thing to accept the fact that Yes, I do have this tendency to behave impatiently, right? Mm -hmm. It's another thing to accept yourself in the moment of who you are in that moment that you became aware of that. All right. Those are two different things. Yeah. Yeah, you can accept that something happened but it can be hard still to accept yourself in that moment. Huh. Like you could maybe not judge that it happened, but you could want to judge yourself for being that way. Right. So those are two different things. And to really be free requires acceptance on both of those levels. And... Would you say this is something that you witness is easy for people? I feel like... I, I find that this particular step 
in the process of transformation or the process of mastery. I haven't worked with many people in the East, you know, like from Asia, and I haven't dealt with that many people from the Soviet Union or South America. I've dealt mostly with people in North America and parts of Europe. So very much what we would call Western civilization. So my comments are going to be germane mostly to the conditioning of Western civilization and of the Western mind. But I would say that with that, with that sort of caveat, I would say that that is the most difficult step for most people because it is so simple mm -hmm. and it requires no force that the ego would never think of it. I also feel like our ego is involved in it. You know, as it's happening, our ego keeps interjecting and keeps interjecting and, and it almost might fight us until we just are like, okay, ego, I'm with you. But see, the thing is, is that what works is not to fight the ego or indulge the ego. What works is to just see the ego as the ego and let it be what it is and to be open to the possibility that it's not who you are. Hmm. So when you're open to that possibility, you're... You see, it's the, it's the identification. Right. With ego, that is the suffering. And any attempt to fight the ego is ego. Any attempt to indulge the ego is ego. Any attempt to justify or rationalize the ego or to make it more real is just more ego. That's the vicious circle of ego. That's the vicious circle of people that are in that hypnotic trance. And so just for, for clarification, the hypnotic trance is shifted with the accept the awareness and the acceptance in both ways. Well, you can't be completely in a trance if you're aware of the trance. Right. Now, is this the thing you think people right now are struggling the most with? Well, acceptance is something that people have struggled with for years and years and years and eons. But what makes it particularly challenging now is because due to the, some of the factors we've talked about, and we can talk about other factors if you want to, the rate of breakdown of the way that people do life individually and collectively is accelerating at such a rapid rate because the because all the mental structures and all the social structures that are breaking down are an expression and a reflection of the egoic state of consciousness which is now no longer sufficient for the opportunities at hand for human beings so tell me more about what the breakdown of life is looking like you tell me wow i mean you don't you see it all around you? Yeah, I mean, I see it when people yeah. getting and being sick or struggling with all kinds of things, relationships and uh, work and and th all those kinds of things. 
and people are just, you know, it, the breakdowns are everywhere. Institutional breakdowns, yeah. uh, you know, people are becoming more afraid and they're identified with their fear. And so they're behaving in, in destructive ways to themselves and others. And the trust level is going down and people aren't thinking clearly. And then on top of that, you have all the challenges of the fact that the quality of the soil and the food is so terrible. And then you have all the toxicity and it's just all of this is simply an expression of the ego completely out of control, completely dominating people's life experience. Right. And I, I you say all those things and it, it's for springing me also to the, the government control that seems to be happening around a, a lot of the choices that we <laughs> seem to no longer have, even though we are here in America with lots of choices, there just seems to be this crazy thing happening. Yeah. And it's all the same game. It's all the the game of of of, of deception, of force, of scarcity, of domination, manipulation, lying, coercion. Uh, it's the same game. It's the it's the inevitable end game of the ego point of view when the ego is allowed to dominate life, one's life experience by unwittingly giving one's power away to the ego, this is what is going to happen. And because it's time to awaken, the the friction between the opportunity to awaken and the uh, consequences of staying asleep are dramatically highlighted. Yeah. So it seems so when we start talking about it in this way, it feels really intense, at least for to me. And the navigating it is, it seems like a lot. So, well, that's the reason that there have always been spiritual teachers. Right. That's the reason, because it is tricky business and the slope can get very steep at certain points and it can be very tricky. And that's the reason that, um, there have always been spiritual teachers that have been there to guide the sincere student. But the challenge has been that the number of people on planet Earth that have been ready and willing and able to undergo the discipline of this kind of transformative process has been relatively small numbers of human beings. And that is not going to cut it anymore. Do you find now, though, more than ever, more people are coming forward? There's more light workers. There's more of a consciousness conversation. I feel like I'm finding that. Um, in I, I would say yes and no. Really? I would, say, I would say yes in the sense that there's more of a general willingness to consider that the way we've been doing things, business as usual, is not sufficient anymore. So I would say yes, and then there's a gen there's a curiosity about what might be outside of the box. So in that sense, I would say yes, but where I would say no is that then when people start going outside the box and they start looking at the whole area of holistic health and self-help and metaphysics and psychology 
and spirituality, I find that there are very few people who really have any understanding of the scope and the radical nature of true spiritual awakening and the number of true teachers out there that are being true to that and not compromising their teaching for various reasons is still relatively small. And I think there's a lot of partial teachings out there. People mean well. I'm not saying they're, these people are malicious, but, um, you know, like, for example, look at your own journey. You know, you're a person that is really committed. You're really intelligent. You're bright. You have a tremendous heart. You've got talent, abilities. You've got compassion. You've got a zest for life. Look at everything you have going for you. Look at how many years you've been on the path. And yet, here we are in this conversation right here, right now. And you're coming right up against these limited identities. And this is what I'm saying. There's not that many people, both on the student side and on the teacher side at this point yet, that really are up to... the real game of real mastery of real transformation. The word transformation to me has been diluted and thrown around to the point where it's lost a lot of its power. This is called transformation. That is called transformation. This is called mastery. That's called mastery. And people are very flip with the use of these words, but most people have no idea what they're getting themselves into, what they're talking about. They're really, from my point of view, they're kind of like children playing with fire. Mm. And, and, and this is a very radical thing, you know, awakening from the dream of separation, awakening from the egoic state of consciousness is, is not a kid's game. And the implications of, of this are, are infinite basically. And, um, you know, if someone is just doing this to try to make themselves feel a little better or to get away from their pain or to get their act together, they're ultimately going to be extremely disillusioned because the, 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 the you that they are that they are that's trying to get better is not who they really are. Because who they really are is already 100% complete and whole. Right. But they don't know that. Right. They don't live. They don't live that. That's an idea for them. That's not real for them. That's a concept. That's a theory. And, and what you have to go through to have that as a knowingness instead of as an idea, most people are not willing to pay the apparent price because from the ego's point of view, it will cost you everything. Even though from the point of view of truth, it costs you nothing. From the point of view of the ego, which is where they are living from, the price is just too high. And very few people are willing to pay the price, the apparent price, from looking at it from the ego's point of view. That's why when it says many are called and few are chosen, 
That means that many are given the opportunity, but few actually take the opportunity. Few, few in a given lifetime, up to this point in time in history on planet Earth, in recent recorded history, a very small number of people have actually accepted and surrendered to that transformative process. And those who have done it successfully, I would say 99.9% .9 of them have had at least one physical, plain, spiritual teacher that was able to guide them because it is very tricky business because it's like trying to see the back of your own head. So it, I, I absolutely hear what you're saying and it's making so much sense to me. And I'm sure for the people listening in your audience who are probably people like me who are looking for, you know, answers and next steps and the information I'm curious, what does it take to be that person that is radical and committed and to get into that discipline to have that acceptance and surrender? I mean, when you say few, are you talking about the Buddhas and, and Jesus and, and those who are we know of, or are there more than that? No, there are many people that have led very private lives that you would never know of. Right. Um. You know, when you tell me that this is all making perfect sense to you, there's a part of me that gets really concerned about that. <laughs> really? Why? Because my experience is that one of the spaces that people go through on their journey to, to true knowledge mm -hmm. is confusion. And um, from the ego's point of view... Uh, truth is very confounding. It doesn't fit into the logic system or the identity even of the ego as well. And so the fact that it's making such perfect sense to you is a little bit of a red flag to me. It, it, it makes me think that you're understanding it in a conceptual way. And you might be confusing that for really, really, really grokking it in the full embodiment of your being. Uh -huh. uh, in fact, that is a very important distinction, is the distinction between having an intellectual comprehension of an idea and allowing that idea to penetrate into the depth of your soul and your heart and your body. So that's interesting because I think that's exactly where I'm hung up. Right. So it could be that you have identified yourself as your thinking mind. Yes. Instead of looking at the thinking mind as a tool that is good for some things and not good for other things, it could be that you grew up getting a lot of acknowledgement for having a really wonderful thinking mind. And it could be that you've gotten so identified with the thinking mind that you are that you are your thinking mind. But your thinking mind can never know truth. Ah. Oh. <laughs> so then what? What do you mean, then what? Well, if that's where, the, if that's the space I'm in, 
then then accept that that's the space you're in. Okay. And accept yourself in the moment of being in that space. See, the ego wants to say that this is bad and wrong and that you should fix it. Yeah, that's exactly it. And I'm not sure if other people are, are, I hope people who are listening are relating to this or getting something from this, because I feel like it's really powerful in that that's, that's where I always go. Then there must be a next step or a how question or what do I do? You know, right. And and, and what, the, and I really appreciate that you're putting yourself up on the mat here <laughs> to be such a great foil for me and to be the guinea pig, because, you know, that's, it's one of the things I love about you. Anyway. <laughs> well, so, believe me, I'm a, a little uncomfortable, but at the same time, I feel like it's perfect because what you're what you're saying to me, I identify with it. And I feel like what you just said about the, the separation of the, I identify with my mind. Like I really identify with that because I do, I have that intellect and, and yeah. that's, I think where my, my hangup is or my separation or whatever the language is. I recognize yeah. that's what I bump up against. Well, I would say, look at it from this possibility. I don't want you to believe what I'm saying. I don't want you to disbelieve it. I just want you to look for yourself and see what you see. But my educated guess would be that you are that you are your thinking mind. Mm -hmm. And just let that in. Take a few deep breaths and let that in like a possibility without trying to change it. Mm -hmm. Just let it in. And see if it is, see if it is the truth of your experience. You know, just you know, without trying to understand it or 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 do something about it, just give yourself the freedom. Yeah. To just be with yourself while you're being with the possibility that you have been that you are your thinking mind. And there, as I'm doing that, there's nothing to say about it, right? Well, you might have a lot to say about it. <laughs> I do, but I'm trying not to. You see, you might have a lot to say about it. You know, yeah. the, the ego probably has a lot to say about it. Yeah. But there's really not much to say about it. If you really let yourself be with it and not try to escape it or try to judge it as bad or to live the story that you shouldn't be that way. You see, that story that you shouldn't be that way, that's just another story. But until you become aware that that's another story that's been using your life, you're just going to be a puppet to that story until you become aware that that story has been using your life. And the shocking realization on the spiritual path is the extent to which, unwittingly, we have allowed the ego to be the master of our ship when it's not designed to be the master of our ship at all. Right. Hmm. You know, in the first commandment, they say, thou shalt put no false gods before God. But when we're lost in the ego, we're, we're violating that commandment. We're we're putting the ego as our God. Our, the ego now has been relegated in our matrix to a godlike status, and it's starting, it's pulling our chain. And, uh, you know, that thinking mind, that 
that is constantly evaluating and comparing and wanting to fix things and judge things and describe things and, and, and make up meaning. That is not who you are. That part of your mind will never know who you are. And if you identify as that part of your mind, you will never know who you are. And so what there is to see, if that's what there is to see, is that that is what has been happening. Mm -hmm. You have unwittingly given your power away to the ego. And it doesn't mean anything. Right. No, really. I'm telling you, I'm not trying <laughs> to like pull the wool over your eyes. It really, really, I mean, you may not even be able to hear what I'm saying. It really doesn't mean anything. It's like, it's like looking at the sky and describing it accurately and saying, oh, the sky appears blue right now and there are a few clouds that appear white. It's just a description of what is. So what I'm describing to you is what I'm saying to you is simply one possible description of what actually has been happening. And just like we could say, yes, I see that. The sky is blue and there seems to be some white clouds. We could say, if it was really true and we were sincere and we were seeing it for ourselves, we could say, oh, what Dr. David is asking me to look at as a possibility, I'm looking at it for myself and I do see that that is what has been happening. And that's the acceptance? No, that's the awareness. The awareness, okay. That is pure awareness. That is, you're, you're becoming aware of what has been happening and you state it honestly. That is what has been happening. Instead of trying to run away from it, justify it, avoid it, indulge it, rationalize it, try to fix it, make it better, cover it up, hide it, compensate for it, compromise, negotiate. Instead of any of that, just honestly describing what it is that you became aware of. Yes, that is what I saw. Hmm. And if you actually can get to that point, then there's a possibility that you could go into acceptance. And then that's those two parts of acceptance. Right. Accepting what you just saw and accepting yourself in the moment of seeing that. And then what happens? Well, I don't want to even talk about what happens after that. <laughs> okay. I don't want to even talk about that because if I talk about that, what's going to happen probably is your ego is going to become fascinated by that. And use that as a way to avoid acceptance. Oh, interesting. You see, if you're accepting, but you're doing it as a gambit so that you can get past acceptance, that's not acceptance. And the, the process of acceptance just takes as long as it might take? It's not a process. Oh, <laughs> No, it's not like an emotion that has a wave of energy that you can process. Uh -huh. Yeah, that's not how acceptance works. How does it work? It works like being pregnant. 
What do you mean? You either are or you aren't. Oh, okay. You can't be sort of accepting. Hmm. That's that's an illusion. That's like being sort of pregnant. Yeah, that's not possible. No, you're either honestly accepting something or you're not ready to accept it yet. So you're not you know, you're either willing to accept it, you're ready, you're willing to accept it and you actually accept it, not because you say you accept it, but because really sincerely you're ready to accept it or you're not ready to accept it. And that's really all you can say. Right. And you know, your question about what it takes to get to that point where you are willing to accept what it is you become aware of, you know, it can happen in two ways. It can happen because you had a revelation and you realize that that's what works. Or it could be because you've tried every other way and you're still suffering. And then you meet somebody like me and says, Hey, How's your way working? You want to try it my way for a while and see what happens. And you would know your ways haven't worked up until now if you still have uh, struggles in your life? If you're experiencing on a consistent basis uh, that you're fighting things, that you're struggling with things, that your experience of love feels quite limited, that you're still seeking Seeking, 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 seeking. And, but sometimes there's opportunity, like there's moments, I'll just speak personally, like where I've had revelations and I feel like I've gone to another level. But Right, that's why I'm saying the ego can co-opt that process at any moment. You know, there's so many people that have had peak experiences. Like if you study the psychological and spiritual literature, uh-huh. there are so many people, tens of thousands, probably hundreds of thousands, probably millions of people that have had moments of insight, moments of peak experiences of seeing more clearly. But they're not able to sustain it. They're not able to live it. It becomes a memory. And at best, it becomes a a comforting memory Mm. or a concept. And, and, And real life has nothing to do with concepts and memory. Wow. So being in this conversation with you makes me realize how much work the world has to do and human humanity really well it depends what you mean by has to do well let's stop right there and take a couple of more deep breaths it depends what you mean by has to do you see that's that's a way of being and thinking that is very forceful Uh uh-huh That's like, you have to do that. You have to make your bed. You have to go to school. Uh, Society has to change. You know, that's just more of the old ego game. 
Can you imagine? Think about it this way, Amy. Can you imagine how many thousands of patients, how many tens of thousands, probably hundreds of thousands of individual patient visits I've had? Can you imagine if every time I'm with somebody and I see something that is maybe not working as well as it could, Mm -hmm. can you imagine if the way I was being with my patient was like, oh, and that has to change? It would be awful. (laughs) Okay. Well, I rest my case. (laughs) So that way of being, oh, I have to change. I have to fix it. Oh, society has to fix itself. That way of being is just more of the problem. Okay. You see what I mean about it's tricky business. It's, it's, it's hard to see. It's hard to see yourself. It's hard to see where you're coming from. It's hard to see what you're being. It's hard to see the back of your own head. Mm -hmm. Are you getting this on a little more real level here? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. And so you can see that it's not easy work. You can see that someone has to be really ready. And like I said, my experience of that readiness, it has to do with the soul. It has to do with many hundreds of lifetimes, and it has to do with the life experiences of the soul and the whether the soul is ripe for this. And there's no judgment. It's not like anybody should or shouldn't be ready for this. It's just that if people are ready for it, it's really great that there are teachers and guides that can guide people when they are really ready. Mm-hmm. And like I said, my experience shows me that there's two main ways that people get ready for this. Either they get some kind of revelation and they get a stroke of, of, of clarity and insight and they know this is the way to go, or they've tried everything else. And it doesn't matter how smart they are, how clever they are, how cute they are, how high their IQ is, how sexy they are, how much money they make. It, they, they've tried everything. They've tried being thinner. They've tried being fatter. They've tried being gay. They've tried being straight. They've tried being vegan. They've tried eating meat. They've tried everything. And nothing is working. And the the harder they try, the harder they seek, 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 the further away they get from what their heart's desire is. And eventually some humility gets cultivated. And they realize, hey, maybe there's something I don't know that I don't know, the knowing of which could make a big difference. And it's my experience that people come to the real spiritual path one of those two ways. And most people come to it the latter way. Which when you've tried everything, that's when you just surrender into the next part, right? Well, that's when some people surrender. There's no guarantees. See, the ego is always looking for a formula. Mm -hmm. It's always looking for a recipe. It's always looking for a guarantee to avoid the domination of the risk that life is. But the truth is, one person could hit rock bottom and they could awaken or they could they could pursue that path, and another person could just uh, continue on and just kill themselves and drop dead. 
meaning it doesn't always mean you're going to have an awakening. That's right. I'm saying there's no guarantees. Right. You, you can't, you can't predict awakening from any forces in the world because awakening doesn't come from this world. Hmm. So what is it that your work is contributing to people? I mean, is it people in this state that are coming to you to work with you? Well, let me ask you, what have, what contribution have you received in the last, uh, in the last, um, hour here? Oh, I mean, it's, I've got, <laughs> my ego wants to say I have a lot to think about, <laughs> but it's, it's a big contribution. It's, it's, it's really eye-opening. The awareness is, uh, but I mean, but I mean, if you were to get specific and someone would say to you, what are three golden nuggets that you've actually gotten that you're not just thinking about it, but what are three golden nuggets you've actually gotten from being with me in the last 55 minutes? I think of, I mean, I don't want to say think, but yeah, just, just look and see, yeah. just don't think about it. Just look and see. It's that deeper understanding of awareness and uh, I think the limitations that you've pointed out. I also the, the how tricky the ego is, and I I knew that, but then recognizing it on my own level with my you know as you're reflecting things back to me, um, didn't it's surprising to me, but not kind of you know, but it's really it, it opens that awareness up even more, which is unexpected was unexpected. Yeah. Yeah, when you realize the extent to which the ego has total disregard for who you really are, it's amazing. It's shocking. Mm -hmm. And it's not because the ego is bad. It's because the ego is not designed to have the capacity to know who you are. Yeah. Wow. I love that you are in this conversation. I love that you are continuing the conversation with people who, you know, are doing work that you appreciate and want to put out in the world. And you've created a podcast around this because, uh, it's so important right now. It really is so important. You know, there, there's very few places people can go in the world as of today, today, just letting the listeners know, Today, we're recording this on July 31st, 2015, on the West Coast of the United States. And so, Mike, what I'm going to say now is, is to be understood within that time-space coordinate. What I'm saying is that in my experience, and Amy, I am open to your experience, there are not too many places or spaces that human beings can go on planet Earth right now and have the kind of conversation that Amy and I have been having for the last hour. Yeah, I it's it's an interesting and amazing time that we can have this and, and be connected in this way. So that's my answer to the question about, you know, in terms of 
wanting to get at what my work is all about and what makes my work what it is and what makes it distinct or unique, I think a partial answer to that is this conversation. Is that normally in conversations, people talk about things. People talk about awakening. People talk about transformation. But this conversation, although we might talk a little bit about those things, isn't fundamentally a conversation about those things. This conversation is actually presencing those things. Yeah. And that is a fundamental distinction. And human beings usually don't live that distinction. Human beings don't usually, they're not usually conscious of the distinction between talking about something and being in the presence of something or presencing something. It's kind of like, as one of my teachers once said, it's kind of like a banana split. We could talk about banana splits and that would be one thing. Or I could give you a taste of a banana split and that would be another thing. Or you could eat an entire banana split and that would be another thing. And so those are pretty powerful distinctions talking about something, having a taste something, having a taste of something and being completely immersed in something. And those are really powerful distinctions, but most people don't live those distinctions. It's like, it would be like going into a restaurant and there's a menu and then there's the food. But it would be like if somebody didn't have the distinction between the menu and the food and so they started eating the menu. <laughs> yeah. And they wondered why their food didn't taste very good. And it might take them a while to realize that they're eating a menu because they're not making the distinction between the food and the menu. Yeah, that is interesting. And I love the way you put that because it, it, the distinction is really clear. And so... Your intention for, you know, this podcast, you know, as you connect with amazing people and bring out cutting edge, you know, concepts and ideas is for that distinction to be having the experience in these conversations. Right. In other words, my intention in, in these in-depth interviews is not simply to talk about things, but to actually give the listener a taste of the thing itself. Mm -hmm. I feel like we did that today. Yeah, I mean, you know, your willingness to get on the mat with me, knowing who I am, and to be willing to do that in public <laughs> is is what, you know, is one of the things that I think is just an amazing contribution that you are. And that has nothing to do with your thinking mind. That has nothing to do with your judgments. That has nothing to do with who you think you are. That has nothing to do with your stories. That's just who you are. And you don't need to make that happen. It's just surrendering 
so that that's who you are and that's always there because it's who you are right you don't need to seek for that you are that and if you will give up having to seek you will know what i know that you are that and then you'll be able to own that you are that and then you'll be able to be an even better steward of who and what you are yeah wow I'm going to have to listen to this a few times. <laughs> actually, actually, that's not true. Really? Yeah, you don't have to listen to it. Huh. You could choose to listen to it. But I don't need it. <laughs> you don't have to listen to it. You said, I have to listen to it. Huh. And what I told you is that you just told a lie, that that is not true. You don't have to listen to it. You could choose to listen to it, and you don't have to listen to it. Hmm. I get myself tripped up, <laughs> I think. <laughs> again, again, it's it's tricky business. It is. The the ego is very slippery, and I'm going to tell you something now that you may not be ready to hear. Okay. Do I have permission to tell you something that maybe you're not ready to hear? Absolutely. Go for it. Okay, so take a deep breath and tell me when you're ready. Okay. Okay, you're ready? I'm ready. Okay, here. The you that you are that you are, that you have been, the you that you have been is addicted to pressure. Mm. The you that you are that you have been is a pressure junkie. Hmm. I have to do this. I have to do that. I have to do this. I have to do that. I have to do this. I have to do that. I have to do this. I have to do that. And that translates to pressure? Yeah, you have to. You have to. There's no space to just be and choose to do something or not. You have to. You have to. Amy, you have to. <laughs> Amy, I ha you have to. Amy, you have to. You have to. You have to. Oh, it's so fam That's it's so familiar to me. <laughs> yeah, that you you are that you are that voice. Yeah. Or you are that your mother's that voice or your father, something. That, but that's just a voice in your head. That has nothing to do with reality. The truth is, if you will tell the truth, if you'll take a deep breath and just tell the truth, the truth is you could choose to listen to this recording as many times as you would like. And you don't have to listen to the recording at all. Here, say that. Just try that on for size. That I can choose to listen to this recording if I like? Say, I could choose to listen to this recording. I could choose to listen to this recording if I like. Now tell me if that's a true statement. It is true. Okay. Now tell me that you could also choose to never listen to any recording of this. I could choose to never listen to any recording of this. Now isn't that also true? It is. Now let's contrast that with your statement. I have to listen to this several times. Now, is that a true statement? 
No, it's very pushy. Well, I didn't ask if it was pushy. <laughs> it's not a true statement. Okay, but you lived that statement before I pointed it out to you. You lived that statement as if it were true. Yeah. And it's not true. It's correct. It's, yeah, correct. It's it's correct? not true. But you lived it as if it were true, right? Absolutely. And okay, that's what I mean about being in a dream. That's what I mean about being in a dream. You live something as if it were true. You feel like it's true. You think it's true. You act like it's true. It seems to you like it's true, but it's not true. Right. right. Now, it's not bad. It's not bad to lie. It's not bad to be lost in a dream. It's just lying is lying. And being lost in a dream is just being lost in a dream. Well, it, it's so interesting, too, because I, just to let your listeners know how this resonates with me, I, it's almost how I get up and live my life. Like, I have all these things to do. I have to, I have to, I have to. That's what I'm telling yeah, you. You, you, you. You are that you are a pressure junkie. <laughs> you are that without pressure, you would not be affected. I would not be effective? Yes. Mm. The ego lives the delusion that in order to make things happen, to be effective in the world, there has to be pressure. Wow. I have... So I have, I have a challenge for you. <laughs> I have a challenge for you. You don't have to tell me whether you're going to accept the challenge till you hear the challenge. But this is a challenge between now and whenever we have our next interview. Okay. To live inside this question. Okay. Now, do you know what I mean when I say live inside a question? Well, maybe explain it to me. <laughs> I don't mean think about the question. When I say live inside it, I mean like the question is a space and you jump into the space of the question and you live inside the question and you look out at whatever you're looking out at and you see whatever you see. Okay. Okay. So here's, here's the challenge. To live inside this question. What if I made peace with peace? What if I made peace with peace? Yes. Okay. I want you to live inside that question. So it's like you're going throughout your day and you just live inside that question. You just become curious. You're going through your day and it's sort of there in the background. What if I made peace with peace? Mm. What if I wasn't addicted to pressure at all? What if I made peace with peace? Mm. Okay. You know? Yeah. And then look out from that possibility. Like, I'm offering that to you like a possibility. Right. Like, like, gee, gee, what if I was at peace with peace? Hmm. Say that. Say, gee, what if I was at peace with peace? Gee, what if I was at peace with peace? Yeah. Hmm. And then you just look and see what you see. Okay. From that from that possibility. 
Okay. In other words, everything that I like, like when you put yourself up on the mat and I am confronting you about what you're believing and and the way you're being and who you are that you are, everything that I'm confronting in you is an opportunity for you to look at another way that you've unwittingly allowed the ego to run your show. Right. And you are that you are the ego. So you're identified with that voice in your head that goes, you have to do that. You have to do that. I have to do this. I have to do that. You are that that's you. Right. But what if that's not you? Hmm. I'm glad <laughs> to be in this space, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so, so the space that I'm guiding you into, uh -huh. that I'm inviting you, yeah, you, nobody can make somebody go to the space that I'm inviting you into, but I'm attempting to give you a taste of it and, 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 and at least pique your curiosity. That space that I'm kind of like pointing at, that's, that's the space that I live from. Mm. Wow. I think it's the perfect place for us to, I mean, I love that this conversation went to this place because that would be my next question for you, you know, like the practice in your own life and your journey. But I think you like how you said the distinction about having the experience is what we just did in this conversation, in this particular interview. And I think the that's going to be the next question, maybe for the next time we connect. So there's a huge journey from getting a taste of something to becoming proficient at something, to becoming excellent at something, to mastering something. Yeah. And that journey of mastery is something that most people don't know that they don't know about that. Right. And, is and that's what, that's what I'm talking about when I was saying earlier, when you asked me that question and I said, in a way, yes, but in a way, no. When I said, yeah, in a way, yes, there are a lot of people that are becoming aware that the old ways are not working. But in terms of the number of people that are really ready to surrender to this transformative disciplined journey of, uh, of not only awakening, but embodying that awakening, that those numbers are still relatively small mm -hmm. because it is really the hero's journey. You, and I, I mean, I can see it's, it's really confronting on some level to go so deep wouldn't you say for people because we are so in as long as you're identified as the ego right. it's going to seem confrontational yeah wow and so much of humanity is identified with ego absolutely yeah absolutely but through your work and through having you know, this podcast attracting the people you're attracting, sharing your vision and your 
you know, intentions and your work out in the world is making a difference for that. Absolutely. And so I want to say thank you so much for allowing me to, you know, be uh, the host with you today in this conversation and in this uh, space because I didn't know where it was going to go. And I think it was pretty awesome personally. And I hope the audience got something out of it that they could absolutely apply to their own world. But I would love for you to to leave the um, listeners with any last thoughts for uh, this conversation and, you know, what your next um, intentions might be. Well, I would say a couple things. One is that um, this gives you a taste of some of my work. That What we've been doing today, what Amy and I have been doing, would fall under the category of ontological coaching, which is one major aspect of my work. But there's a whole other aspect of my work that more has to do more with natural healing, which maybe we can get into in the next show. And then the other thing I want to say is that you know, to me, Amy, you are much more than the guest host today, you know, and and do you want to tell the listeners in terms of how this conversation went? Do you want to let them know that how much freedom I gave you in terms of where to take the show? Oh, yeah, I had absolute freedom to take it anywhere. I mean, I even have a list of questions, obviously, I didn't get to, but there it was absolute freedom for it to be a very spacious flowing conversation and that's a brilliant place to be in so thank you for that yeah and what i want to say is that um even though it might have looked like i was guiding the show kind of i was really just responding to amy's soul and in the way that amy's soul was crying out for love and her readiness and that's the way that i teach i don't treat two people the same way. I don't even treat the same person the same way at different times. And so um, it's important to understand that um, that the way I teach, it, the student draws forth the teaching very much. I'm very unattached to the way that it looks or the way that it goes. And then I just wanted to say again, this is just a part of what I do and who I am. And then you know, in terms of where where I'm going from here, that's a big conversation that I don't think we have time to get into on this show. But just to say that um, this is, a, as Amy was implying earlier in the conversation, this is a very unusual, amazing window of time that we're in right now. We're an entire way of being, an entire way of living, an entire level of consciousness is showing itself to be insufficient to the challenges and the opportunities at hand. And that presents enormous possibilities and enormous challenges, the solutions to which, if you're coming from the old model, are going to be insufficient. And so, what I focus on is really understanding the nature of these problems, what's the source of them, and then focusing on the space that allows for solutions, and then being that solution and connecting with other people that are living the possibility of these new solutions and anchoring and embodying 
these new possibilities. And what I attempt to do on the podcast is to bring you these people and bring them to life and give you a taste of, of, the, of the reality that these people are representing and embodying. And, um, you know, I think one thing that came out in this session more than in any session on any podcast we've done is it gave you a flavor for the for the dynamism and the power and the the unusual character of an ontological conversation of a relationship between a a student and a teacher when the subject matter is who am i really and and what's it really all about and you know, very often when these conversations happen, they happen in private. And so it's an enormous gift that Amy has given us today to have this conversation be so intimate, but also be so public. So I think I want to turn it over to Amy to close it out for today and to see if she wants to say anything to to stand on what I said and then just to close it out her way because it was really her show today. Well, I am really grateful, uh, Dr. David, for being in this space with you because I always learn something uh, about myself when we're in conversation. Obviously, this was uh, a little bit more focused uh, with me, but I'm really grateful for the work that you are doing and being in the world. And... I believe it's so necessary. And so I feel it's an honor and it's really special to be um, connected in this way. And I thank you for inviting me in to this space with you. And I hope everyone listening really got something and can, you know, apply something and uh, keep listening to what Dr. David is putting out in the world because it's really quite genius. And so Thank you, Dr. David, for putting your work in the world in this form and allowing me to be a part of it today. And thank you, everybody, for listening. And I look forward to letting you know about that question I'm going to be living inside in the next connection that we have. So thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Freeing the Body, Freeing the Soul. To access all episodes, including show notes, go to CuttingEdgeDoc.com. That's CuttingEdgeDoc.com. Lastly, if you love today's show, you can support Dr. David, his work, and the show by going over to iTunes and giving a five-star rating and a heartfelt comment. Thank you again for joining us today and for your commitment to freeing the body, freeing the soul.